Welcome to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. On each and every episode, Brian talks with coaches, athletes, and performers in all arenas who are putting into practice the principles of peak performance that will help you close the gap from where you are to where you want to be to help you become a master of the mental game and to help you start dominating the day. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, your peak performance coach here with another episode of the Peak Performance Podcast. And today, our guest... A Cal State Fullerton baseball current Hall of Famer? Not yet. <laughs> Will be Hall of Famer at Cal State Fullerton, no question. Chad the Chief Cordero. Chad was a former All-American pitcher at Cal State Fullerton. He was the 20th overall pick in the first round of the 2003 Major League Baseball draft by the Montreal Expos and spent very little time in the minor leagues busting through and making his Major League debut in that first season. August 30th, 2013. So he's pitching in the College World Series in June of 2013 and then in Olympic Stadium in Montreal with the Expos two months later. Chad was a 2005 Major League Baseball All-Star with, at the time, the Washington Nationals. He played seasons in the Major Leagues with the Expos, the Nationals, and the Seattle Mariners. And in 2005, was named Rolades Relief Pitcher of the Year as the best reliever in Major League Baseball. Chad, thank you for taking time out of your hectic schedule here, man, and sitting down with us to talk about the mental game. Thank you for having me. If you would, could you take kind of our listeners back through through your career uh, and kind of where you went to high school and then your sort of path, if you would, through Cal State Fullerton kind of up into the Major Leagues and how you got to where you are today now back at Fullerton? Yeah, um, I went to, I went to uh, Don Lugo High School, which is out in Chino, California, which is like maybe 15 minutes from uh, Cal State Fullerton. Uh, so a local kid, grew up watching... Uh, Watching Fullerton, idolizing the, the Titans and stuff. So I kind of knew I, I knew from from the, when I was really young that I wanted to go to Fullerton. But um, in high school, I wasn't I wasn't very highly recruited. I was only recruited by three schools: Fullerton being one of them, the other two being uh, UC Santa Barbara and University of the Pacific. So it was kind of like a no-brainer for me. Um, I was like pretty much a late a late bloomer in high school, um, and kind of didn't really start. Really learned how to pitch until um, until I got to Fullerton, and that kind of that's kind of pretty much what helped helped me get here. But um, was off the radar in high school pretty much until I think it was my junior year um, when I was facing off against a kid in, in uh, the same league named Justin Germano. He pitched out in Claremont. Um, we were facing each other head to head. I think he threw a one hitter. I threw a two hitter, and that's kind of pretty pretty much what put me on the map mm-hmm. um, with schools and as, as far as a uh, uh, major league team. So. Um, you know, it was it was it was a good it was a good run in high school. Had fun, um, and then obviously I made it to Fullerton. Where, shoot, I think it was yeah, my freshman year is when I started uh, started closing. So. That was two thousand and that was two thousand and one, right? Yeah. 2000, so two thousand and one, you come here as a freshman. You're a closer. You guys go to the College World Series in two thousand and one. What was it like for you as a freshman to be pitching in Omaha in two thousand one <laughs> as a freshman? It was, man. I mean, I I will never. I've always I've always told people that was probably the most exciting moment in my life as far as baseball goes. Because I remember that first game we played. I mean, Rosenblatt. You 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 grow up as a as a little kid, you, and you who knows you want to go to you want to play baseball in college. You grow up watching the College World Series. You 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 want to get there. You want to get to Rosenblatt. You know you want to you want to experience everything. And for me to get there was awesome. And for us. Our very first game was against Nebraska. Who it was their very it was their very first time ever getting to Omaha. Um, their, so it was their first, their first game ever. 
and it was it was it was like a football atmosphere. I mean, it was like a sea of red. We maybe had maybe two hundred Fullerton fans, and the rest were all probably twenty eight thousand uh, Nebraska fans. So it was you know it was it was exciting, and that game was gosh, I mean, it was it was it was it's probably one of the funnest times I've ever had on a baseball field. We ended up beating them five to three, and opposing it, I think I threw the, like the last inning and two thirds, two innings, I think it was. I can't remember exactly what it was. But, I mean, just the, the excitement and the roar of the crowd and the energy of the crowd is, I mean, it's something that I'll never forget. You know, Chad, you were drafted out of high school. Is that right? Right. By the, by, was it by, by the Padres? the Padres, yeah. And you decided to come to college, and mm-hmm. then you got to go to Omaha not only in one, but in 2003 with one of the best Titan teams of all time. Go wire to wire, number one team in the country. And then you played in, in Major League Baseball, played in the All-Star game, and one of your highlights is playing in the College World Series. What, what's, what's the importance of of college baseball for that development as a person who was drafted out of high school, chose to go to college, improved his stock to become a first-round pick, what advice would you give to those high school baseball players that are you know, going to get drafted about should they go pro and start their career or should they go to college? What would your advice be? Um, for me, it was, it, was, it was kind of like a no-brainer to go to college. I mean, it's something, something that I grew up wanting to do. I knew I wanted to have a fallback in case, in case my baseball career never panned out. You know, you go to college, you know, you're going to get at least three years – three years of school in and say something does happen to where you get hurt you're going to school you're going to get your degree and hopefully get a good job right after that um and plus going going to college allows yourself to to mature you you get you get to be on your own for the for the probably for the first time in your life um so you get to learn how to pay bills you know be responsible wake up to go to class because no one's there to tell you to go to class so Mm -hmm. i mean you get to do that all on your own so it kind of it kind of gives you a chance to mature and pretty much and and realize who you are as a person you know, I mean, there's, I've I've seen a lot of kids who who have signed out of high school and they're not they're not ready for they they can't handle the pressure they can't handle being away from from their parents being away from their friends and it's it's a grind it's a uh, the minor league season's a long it's a long season it's like I think it's actual season is five months you're gone for about five, probably about seven and maybe seeing your parents and your friends maybe twice a year at the most so um, whereas in college I mean I grew up 15 minutes away so I saw my parents all all the time you know if I you know um, where they they allowed where it allowed me to mature, but at the same time, if I if I needed help, ask questions, they were right there to help to help me out. So, you know, for me, college is the way to go. I mean, you're it, because there's so many kids. Like I said, there's so many kids who, who aren't ready for for the jump to pro ball. I mean, they're not ready, you know, for that for that lifestyle yet. And there's there's so many guys who who get who fall into the with the wrong wrong crowds. You know, they, they start drinking and start going out too much. You know, whereas in college, you still you, you have structure because in, in pro ball, there's really no one there taking care of you. You know, you're you're, you're on your own. Um, whereas college ball, I mean, you have your coaches there, you have your, your you have your your counselors. I mean, you have your AD. If you if something messes up, your AD is going to get on you. Um, you know, so you so you're learning you're learning responsibility in the same time you're maturing and figure out the type of person that you are. You know, I think a big part of that maturation process too for any player. Uh, and you grew up in the system, so you may not know any differently, right? Coming to Cal State Fullerton is the mental game. And, right. and in 2001, you know, you're here, you get exposed to Ken Revisa, you're working with Dave Serrano, who's the pitching coach here at the time, now the head coach at, at the University of Tennessee. What importance did the mental game play in your career, Chief? And it was, see, it was, I always prided myself on being mentally strong. Um, it was, it was something that I knew if I wanted to get better and figure out what type of person that I was, that I knew, I, that I, knew I had to utilize it. And luckily, I mean, luckily here at Fullerton, we had we had Revisa, and then 
and down, I mean, it was my third year, my third year we had you. So, I mean, it was, it was, it, 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 it worked out for me. And then I ended up taking a visa class here and, and you know, cause it, it helps you because you make, it makes you realize that, you know, it's just a game. You know, there, there are ways to, you know, if you are struggling to take a step back, kind of relax, find your focal point. I remember at that time, um, the walls were just plastered with billboards and stuff. And I remember there was a, there was a Carl's Jr. sign on, on the wall and it had the happy star, um, on the wall. And so I used that as my focal point. So if I, if there was ever, ever a time where I struggled, I would take a step back, look at that happy star because it had a big old, you know, that big old yellow and red smile on his face. And it, it reminded me like, it's just a game, you know, it's just, you know, don't worry about it. You know, there's so many worse things that, that could happen to you in life and you give up a run. It's the least, it's the least of your, of your worries. So, um, you know, it just, it just helped me remind myself that, you know, it's a game. It's a game that I've been playing since I was three years old and just to go out there and have fun, you know? Um, and it helped me. I remember in Omaha when I, when I was playing, when I was facing up against Nebraska, I remember that the focal point was looking up at the, at the big old sign that said Rosenblatt up on the, uh, the, the, the press box. And I'm like, gosh, you know, it's like, you realize, okay, this is what, this is what I dreamed of, of doing. I wanted to play here and I'm here. So it's just like, why not enjoy it while, while you know, while I last, you know, cause it's, it's, you never know. Baseball could be gone taken from me like that. And unfortunately for me, it, 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 it was later on down the line. So, but the mental game for me was huge. And like, that's, that's what I do right here right now in the bullpen. I'm, I basically, I pride myself here at Fullerton is helping those guys relax. You know, I'm, I'm still learning the mechanical side and, and the, you know, and the pitching technique techniques as, as far as the coach goes. But I, but what I provide here for at Fullerton, the bullpen is, is more of like the mental aspect of the game to help, helping them what to focus on, helping them that to remind themselves it's just a game and not to get too stressed out over, over certain situations and basically just to help them relax and, and, and have fun. You talk about having fun and being able to relax. It, when, when you are a first-round pick and you're in the major leagues and there's there's money at stake, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're on TV and every every move that you make is being watched by, you know, not so much in Montreal, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in Washington, I'm sure, you know, thousands of people. Were you able to keep that same mindset when you got up there? Yeah. I mean, I was. I mean, I, I, never, I never try to worry about the business side of baseball because, I mean, it's – Unfortunately, it, it is a business up once you get up there. But once when I was up there, man, I was like, I remember I, the guys just always tell me like I was with their kid brother. You know, I was always smiling, always having a good time. Never really um, got bothered by too much. If I blew a save, I knew I, I knew the next day that I was going to have a chance to, to come back and 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 have get another save. So, you know, I was always having a good time, always relaxing, always having fun, listening to music, you know, joking around. Um, well, I mean, it took it took me a year before I could joke around because my I remember my rookie year I was really quiet, didn't really say too much, you know, kind of was trying to was respecting the older guys and how how hard they worked to, you know, to, to get up to the big leagues. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, I was always having fun, always having a good time, and just never try to get away from that. You know, Chad, you're one of the nicest guys I've probably ever met. But I will say this: when you came out of the when you come out of the bullpen and you go out to the mound, you flip a switch, and there's a guy out there that looks like a natural born killer. <laughs> so tell me about the difference between the Ch- Chad Cordero off the mound and the Chief when he steps on the rubber. It, was it still the same mindset, or was there another different level of focus? Was there a different level of self talk? What was going on that got you into that elite state as one of the best closers and in, in, as the best closer in Major League Baseball in 2005, one of the best ever in college baseball? Um, I mean, for me, it was just like I mean, off the field, I'm very quiet, very shy. Um, you know, don't really don't really say too much. It takes me a while to get comfortable. You know, around new people when I'm off the field, but 
when I'm on the field, it's like, and I used to tell people too, it's like the minute I stepped through those gates on the field, it's something like clicked in me. I mean, it's it's something that I, I grew up. Baseball was baseball. I I feel was in my blood. I mean, I remember I remember going out um, behind my my grandparents' uh, house. They they lived they lived behind a school, and every Sunday we would go and play softball with uh, with my with my grandpa. We had on my mom's side. We had there was five. He only he had five girls. She had no boys. So we were always playing. We were always playing softball out there in the back in the in the in the back of the school, hanging out. And that's I think that's where I kind of got that that love for the game. But when I got onto the field and onto that mound, I mean, it was just, I knew I had a mission. My mission was to make sure I got those last three outs and preserve that win. So I was going to do everything that I could to get those last, those last three outs, you know, make sure we got that win. But, you know, I don't, I can't really explain what it was that really snapped inside of me. It's just, you know, I loved that game that much and I didn't want to fail. You know, um, I knew that I always told myself that I was better than the hitter, you know, even if, you know, maybe, Stats wise, maybe I wasn't at the time, but I told myself, you know, if I'm if I'm going to be successful, I'm I'm going to be better than you. Like it doesn't didn't matter who I was facing. I don't I didn't care if it was Albert Pujols, you know, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Andrew Jones. Um, it didn't really matter at the time. You know, I just I knew my role and my job was to get those last three outs, and I was going to do whatever whatever I could. That's why I always kind of had my hat all the way down. You know, I wanted to kind of get give off that sense that I was a mean. Sob, pretty much, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, even though, you know, deep down, I know I'm not. Right, so. right, right. But you can act that way. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it's because you. I mean, if if you if you have a presence on the mound that that you, that gives off a sense of being scared or something or being nervous, the hitter's going to feed off of that. I mean, everybody in everybody in the stands can can, can see that. So you kind of have to, you know, even if you're not if you, even if you're not confident that day in your stuff, you don't have the best stuff. You got to act on the mound like. Like you, like you do have it. Like you have, like your your A plus stuff. Even even on the days that you don't. I remember the the the, the best days that I had as a pitcher were the days where I was. I, it's, I think it was like maybe maybe my fourth day in a row where I didn't have my best stuff. Maybe throwing, you know, three or four three or four miles an hour slower. But I knew at that time if I was going to be successful, I didn't. I I couldn't do too much. I had to stay within myself and still give out that presence that you know I have my A plus stuff and I'm going to get you out no matter what. So there is there is an element when you're at that level, and Jake Arrieta talks about this all the time now. The, the Cy Young Award winner in 2015 with the Chicago Cubs. You know, Jake talks a lot about how underneath his hat he has the word ace. Mm-hmm. Acting changes everything. He talks a lot about you know this past off season. Um, he spoke to the TCU pitching staff and has talked about you know there's days where you go out there and you don't feel good right. and you have to act. You have to act as if it's impossible to fail. And he said fake it till you make it, but then he said what really is is it's fake it till you find it. Mm-hmm. And did you did you do some of that in your career? Was there kind of an acting part of fake it till you make it to, to try to not tip off that maybe you don't have your best stuff? Oh, for sure. I think it was like I said if I cuz I mean when I was in DC, I mean I was throwing, I was throwing almost every day. I mean I think it there I think I threw I think my Second year, I think, yeah, 2005, I think it was. I think I threw like 77 games hmm. um, as, as, a clo- a as a closer. That's, I mean, and probably on top of that, throwing another, getting up another 30 times where I didn't go in. You know, so the majority of the time, I didn't have my best stuff. You know, but you still have to act as if you do. You know, you have to give off that presence that you are on top of your game, even even on those days where you're feeling sick, you're feeling down, maybe something happened off the field. You know, that that's getting to you. You start to go on the mound, and you still have a job to do. You know, so you can't you can't let any of that affect you. So you have to go out there and act, you know, like like you are the the, the meanest guy out there. You know, like, like you are the best pitcher out there or the best hitter, or whatever it is, whatever position you play. Um, 
you know, so you have to give off this presence that you are the best, you know, you're the best, even on those days where you're just feeling like, like you don't have it. So, so those days where you feel like you don't have it, um, you know, and just the consistency of pitching in 77 games as a closer of getting up in a hundred games. Talk about the routine that you would go through, Chad, if you would just kind of the day to day routine, not so much the, the pre pitch. We'll get to that, mm-hmm. but just about the day to day routine that you had to go through to consistently be able to get out there and perform at that highest level. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a grind, you know, major league baseball the seasons, a hundred, 162 games and at spread over 180 days. So you don't really have a whole lot of time to, to relax and, and with off days or anything like that because the majority of the time you know on your off days you're probably not getting in to the next city until like three or four o'clock in the morning so majority of your off day is maybe sleeping trying to catch up on you know trying to catch up on your rest and stuff like that so for me i mean i get to the field kind of relax grab something to eat you know maybe go in the training room you know have have my shoulder rubbed out because i mean don't like you said throwing 77 games is you know that wears on your arm so for me you know, I would I would do that, and then once once the game started, I was always out there the, from the first pitch on. I never I was I wasn't one of those guys who who liked to be inside the clubhouse. And I couldn't stand it. Like I felt, for me, I always felt like if if my if my teammates were out there the entire game, then I had a, I had a duty to be out there supporting them because they're going to be out there in the ninth inning supporting me. So you know, I had to be for me. I had always had to be out there watching the game. I was always in tune. You know, when we were on defense, I wanted to see what was going on. You know, what maybe what we were what we were throwing the guys, what we were doing. You know, when we were on offense, that's when that was my time to kind of joke around and have fun. Um, you know, but then like usually like in the fifth inning is when I started playing catch. I started, I started playing catch with, uh, at the, with the outfielder just to get my arm, just to get my arm loose, and I would do that from the about the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning. The eighth inning is when I, I used to say I look like a caged lion out in, the, out in the bullpen because I was always pacing. I would pace back and forth. I'd go from the mound to the plate, mat, plate to the mound, mound to the plate, plate to the mound, like just nonstop until I got that phone call to tell me that I was going in, you know, so that's, that's really when I started pacing like that is really when I started focus. I started, I started looking, okay, I'm probably going to face this, which is, or probably going to face these three guys, which is mo- most, for the most part, it was their three, four or five guys. I mean, there was probably only a handful of times where I didn't face a harder order when I was closing. So, I mean, you're constantly facing the, 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 the top, you know, that they're, they're top guys. So you have to be on the top, top of your game, even, even, even on those days when you're not. So when I was pacing, you know, I would kind of like visualize, okay, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, I want to do this. This is, you know, um, I want to try and get that, get out, get out of there in, in 10 pitches or less. Um, especially on those days where I have thrown three or four days in a row, you try to minimize your pitch count because this way that allows you to go another, another day. Um, or all, what I would also do, which is kind of like random, but I used to play, um, like MLB 2K all the time, and surprisingly that helped me out a lot because I used to always look at those hot and cold zones. So I'd play, I would play them the night before, you know, kind of visualize, okay, what did I do? What did I do on the hitter now? It's just a video game. Maybe that's not going to really matter too much. But for me, like it always did. It always like played into my into my game for some sure. reason. So you know, I always like as I was pacing, I was always always go back to the night before playing that game, and and see what I did to that hitter. You know, and, and it, it helped out. And when you would pitch in the MLB 2000 game, did you pitch as yourself? I always pitched to myself, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So you'd pitch as yourself yep. against the team that you're going to be facing. Right, yeah. And it would show, probably statistically relevant, mm-hmm. it would show their hot cold zones, and then right. you would visualize yourself executing yeah, those. Yeah, I actually remember Julio Franco. His hot and cold zone, was, or his cold zone, was anything above the letters. So I was throwing fastball to fastball to fastball above the letters, and he would swing right through it every time. I'm like, gosh, if, if, 
maybe I should, that's when I really started realizing, okay, maybe I should like look at this more or something. Yeah. So how about that? Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Unbelievable. Because the game, the game has to get that information from somewhere, right? right and, yeah. and every pitch in major league baseball is tracked. So it's probably pretty right. accurate. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Talk about the, uh, you mentioned the visualization, you know, where you, when you're pacing back and forth from home plate to the mound, you're visualizing yourself throwing the way you want to throw, maybe even replaying the pitches you threw in the video game the night before. How else did you use mental imagery? Was Did you ever kind of see it, uh, you know, David Price talks about sometimes as he was as he would come set, he'd sort of see the last four or five feet of the pitch. Did you ever see the pitch before you would throw it or like lay down in your room the night before in the training room and visualize yourself pitching? Yeah. I mean, I, I started doing that gosh, when I was young. I remember my parents used to always like comment on it because even, even on those days where I wasn't pitching – or at times when I wasn't pitching, if I was playing first or outfield or something, in between each pitch, if I knew I was going to go in that day, I was pretending like I was on the mound. Every single pitch. As, as the catcher was back to the pitcher who was on the mound at the time, you know, I'd be out in the outfield at first base, like I said, and going through my motion. Just kind of, and so I, I kind of, it's just, so it, oh, I oh, it was always doing that. And, um, you know, like the night before, you know, if, if it was a if it was a night before the first game of, of a new series, I would kind of visualize. Okay, you know, this is who they have, um, and just kind of go pitch by pitch and, and say, you know, um, okay, he can't hit a, he can't hit a slider, so maybe I might throw my slider today, which was very rare because I mean I threw probably ninety nine percent fastballs every time. So, um, you know, I, w- I would visualize. Like I, I mean, I was I was constantly visualizing. You know, I was because I love I love the game so much. I just kind of wanted to replay it in my head as, as, as much as I could. Talk about, you know, the, the importance of, of body language. You know, we talk a lot about confidence comes from three things. So I'd like you to, to kind of talk about these three things, if you would. And I'm a big believer that confidence is not necessarily something that you get. Confidence is something that you do. Mm-hmm. And confidence is done by what we call your BFS, your body language, your focus, and your self-talk. And you've kind of alluded to all of these three things already, Chief. But if you would, could you talk specifically about what was your body language like, where was your focus, and was there any self-talk when you were on the mound now in pre-pitch routine when you're out there dealing? Right. Yeah, body language, I mean, you can tell, like, you can tell from the get-go if, if, if a guy's on, on on or not. Like, because say, you know, if he, if he goes, if he's on the mound and say his first three pitches are wild, and he kind of like sh- starts shrugging his shoulders. Okay, he starts like talking to himself, or or he puts his head down. He's, he's just you could tell like he's just think, overthinking everything, overanalyzing it. You know, you can tell right there, and right then and there that okay, he's probably not. He's, you're, you're probably, he's probably not going to have his best stuff. He's probably going to leave pitches over the plate. So I mean, you can kind you can kind of feed off that. I mean, yeah. everybody everybody in this in at that field, even the, the people in the fans can 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 see that. You know, so. Um, you know, body language, is, it plays a huge role because, like, I mean, like we said, we were talking about earlier, I mean, if you don't have your best stuff, but you have that body language that you do, I mean, they're, you're, they're, the other team's never going to know. They're never going to know that, that maybe you had, you, you couldn't sleep the, the night before. You're not, they're never going to know that, that maybe your, your arm's a, little, a bit sore than it, than it normally is. You know, if, if you kind of have that, that same confidence, like, you are, that you're mean, like, you're going you're gonna to go out and do it, like, you don't care how you're feeling, like, you know, nobody nobody is going to be able to see that that you might be struggling that, that that day. You know, and as far as focus, I mean, you have to focus on on each pitch. You can't really focus on, you know, on the on the next hit. You have to focus on that pitch at hand because if 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 you're if you're looking past the guy that you're facing to the next guy, say, 
say David Eckstein is up, but, but Pujols is on deck and he's a tie-in run. Well, if you're not focused on David Eckstein at the time, chances are you're going to leave a fat pitch on the plate where he's going to get a base hit. Now, now Pujols really is that 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 tie-in run, you know. So you have to focus on each pitch, each hitter. You can't you can't take any hitter for granted, and you can't really overlook anybody because that nine-hole hitter can have a 12 pitch at bat, get a walk, and that sets the table for their for the for their um, the top of the lineup. So you always have to be focused on each pitch, each hitter, and not really worried about who's coming up next, you know, and self-talk. I mean, I did that all the time. I mean, but for me, my, my self-talk was singing to myself on the mound, you know, cause that's, that's pretty much what helped me relax. I would usually sing whatever song I heard last was always just kind of like, hum, not, not necessarily humming. So I don't want anybody, anybody to hear me, yeah. you know, but in my head, I always kind of had a tune and, and, and that kind of helped me focus and relax and stay confident. Was it always the same song? It was kind of random. I mean, I, I would always listen to, Whatever I mean, kind of depend on what depend on what mood I was in. I mean, sometimes I would if I wanted to be the mean SOB that I thought I was, and I listen to punk. I listen to like the Misfits or Pennywise or or maybe metal or some you know something like uh, Pantera or, or Metallica or something like that. But if I was if it was like a Sunday and I was kind of like chilling, like hanging out, relaxing, maybe I, I listened to some like Temptations or something like that, you know. Or maybe if I thought I was like a West Coast rapper, I listened like Dr. Dre or something. So it's kind of you know it kind of depended on my mood. So. And you kind of use the music to help create the mindset. Right. Awesome. Chief, uh, what do you know now? If you could rewind the clock, man, and you could go back to, let's say, the, the, the freshman 2001 Chad Cordero, what would you tell him that you know now? Um, going back to that freshman college baseball player, what are you saying to him? Don't take anything for granted, you know, because baseball, it's, it's a short lifespan. You know, I think the average um, – average career is I think three years in the, in the major league so you know don't take anything for granted always have always have fun always have a smile on your face I mean I did that anyways but you know, never take anything for granted for granted because baseball and any like life in general in, in general it can be taken from you like that you know and unfortunately for me like like I said it, it was you know I had you know I, I dealt with the end, ending of my career and stuff and it was it was taken from me but you know what just never take anything for granted have fun and and, and enjoy it then would you go back? Would you say the same thing to the Jack Cordero professional baseball player? Would you say anything different to that guy, or would it be the same? The same thing. Same the same thing. exact thing. I mean, always have always have fun. Appreciate where you're at, you know, because you have thousands and thousands of, of, of kids who, who grow up wanting to do the same thing that, that you do, and you have a chance to live out your dream and be a kid for another couple of years until you have to go back into the real world, you know. So, um, you know, it's just always – myself to have fun and, and appreciate everything and that was given to me so. awesome well chief we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule man to sit down with us for people who are listening uh one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done here this is going to be follow chad on twitter it's at chad cordero 32 again at chad cordero 32 and uh i can't wait to see how your career is going to take off man what you're going to be doing <laughs> two three five years now it's going to be exciting right, chief you. thank you so much man. Right, appreciate it. today's podcast is sponsored by potential apparel Potential Apparel is on a mission to inspire athletes to reach their true potential. If you're serious about reaching yours, then you have to go check them out. They make awesome clothing for dedicated and committed athletes. I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing, and that's why I wear their clothing with pride. Make a statement and join the movement today at PotentialApparel.com. 
be sure you use promo code Brian Kane with a space between Brian and Kane for 15% off on your first order. Dominate the day with potential apparel. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. Please make sure that you visit BrianKane.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com. And sign up for my Monday message, where every Monday I deliver straight to your inbox videos, interviews, articles, tips, techniques, and strategies that you can use to master the mental game. You can also contact me my website on our contact us page and see my calendar of where I'm going to be in the country and when I'm coming to your area so that we can get together and that we can continue to go out there and dominate the day. This is a production of Corn Belt Sports. The Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast is part of the Top Coach Network.